Good morning. Has anyone noticed the new wires that I'm carrying? It's, a, it's an investment by the church, so please give in the offering because your money's going to good causes. It's, um, it allows us now, I'm told that I can even go to the kitchen and get a drink of water while I'm preaching. Not that that's a good thing, but if you forget, you can continue. You don't have to have a pause, right? <clears throat> yes, um, I thought... Um, I thought I'll introduce the topic for this morning before we have a prayer and just have you think a little bit about it. So the morning topic is the importance of forgiveness. And, um, and I have a new person that prepares my slides. It's Auntie. He's taken on the task. So Jessica helped him a little bit. So if there's a few little things that the colour doesn't match or something, you need to give that feedback to Auntie from now. Um, but he's... He's doing, done a great job, as you will see. Um, yeah, so we're going to be talking about the importance of forgiveness. And if there's someone in here that thinks that this, you don't need to hear this sermon, you're welcome to, to leave. But I think that um, it's not so much that you might need it now, but it might be something that you might need tomorrow or in a week's time or in two weeks. And it's good for us to be continuously reminded about forgiveness and about the great importance of it. And we'll go through scripture and we'll look at some scripture that Jesus speaks and how important it is. So you'll get to come with me on this little journey this morning and you'll see how um, that it's interesting, but it's also how Jesus compares it to certain things. And it, it is really important message. It's a really important topic, I should say. Not how I present it, but on the actual topic. So... We've uh, just that little introduction. Let's just bow our heads and ask God to give us a, the ability to focus and to hear his voice. Father God, we're grateful for your presence here amongst us. And we thank you that you've been here waiting for us before we even arrived, Lord. And we just pray that your spirit may speak to us. That it may not be Michael speaking, but that it may be your spirit speaking to us and father i pray that you may take control of my lips my thoughts my um just just everything father that you may be in control and you may teach us something that was great and of great importance to you when you addressed your um, 12 disciples lord and i'm sure that it's still very important to us today lord i want to pray for Smilka's mum, I pray as she goes through surgery this week, Lord, that you may comfort her and be with her and comfort the family also, Lord. You only know the plans that you have for us and the numbers that you've given us, Father. And likewise, I'd like to pray for Helen's father, Lord. Just uh, please be with them and be their strength in this difficult time. Father, we love you and we thank you for what you have done for us. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So we're told to forgive because God forgave us. And we're going to be unfolding that, like I said. And we can do that when we, when we take off the old garments and, you know, bitterness and anger kicks in when we have a problem with someone else. That we, and, and it always will seem that we are right and they are wrong. And so then as that challenges us, we'll grow this bitterness inside us and this anger. And we need to replace that with love, compassion, humility. And we'll go through that as well. And today we'll see how Jesus is communicating how serious forgiveness is. So the first question that I think that I need to ask is, 
When someone offends you or when someone hurts you, you need to ask yourself, do I want to forgive them? Or do I just want to feel good about myself and say, you know what, I've tried and I've asked them and I had this first contact and that's it, my part is done. So you need to ask yourself whether you genuinely want to forgive this person. And if you, if you do, then you need to figure out how you're going to go about it. Forgiveness is very serious in the eyes of God. How serious is it? Well, let's have a look. The first reading for today and the first point is not to put it off. So act as quickly as you can. Don't put it off. And here um, Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 25, he says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So here he's saying that he's comparing almost murder to holding a grudge to someone because he's saying that if someone is committed a murder, that they will be subject to judgment. But then he says anyone who's angry with his brother or sister is subject to judgment. Almost sounds Ridiculous. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is unanswerable, is unanswerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge. And the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. So here, Jesus is addressing the sin of the mouth, but also of the heart. And he's saying, well, you know, if you think that that was a big enough sin that you murder someone, well, to God, this is fairly important too. He wouldn't be relating one to the other if he wasn't a critical, if he wasn't that important, would he? So he's saying that the act of murder has consequences. There are consequences. But so does the act of unforgiveness. Raka means in it means you fool. So sorry, it means empty-headed in today's world. It means kind of probably someone like stupid or moron, and we use that quite loosely, don't we? We refer to someone as stupid as a moron. But then he says that if you call someone a fool, you're in danger of hellfire. Mm-hmm. Now to call someone a fool. In our days, again, it almost doesn't gel with us because it's not such a big deal. You might say someone that has made a bad decision, you say, oh, you fool. But in those days, a fool, they would relate to the verse that says, the fool says in his heart that there is no God. So they relate to that as a godless person. And basically, in today's term, maybe it'd be something like you wish someone that they go to hell. So you say that, and again, that is something that people use quite without thinking what they're actually saying. But truly, and if your heart, if you mean for someone to go to hell and you, 
you consciously and you see it, it is your sincere wish it's quite a serious thing isn't it don't you think it is a, it's very serious and those venomous thoughts that come into our minds Jesus doesn't want us to put off the reconciliation he, he wants us to act on it and as he says he wants us to act on it pretty quickly and imagine if there is an unforgiveness, an unforgiveness or animosity within the church. It's even, it's, it's even a greater thing because you're here and you're worshipping. And I'll touch on that a little bit more. How can you have that worship and that fellowship and that relationship that you have with God not to impact you if you have someone that you have a real issue with in the church or a brother or a sister that is sitting alongside of you or in the next pew? So it is quite a serious thing. Unforgiveness gets in the way of relationship between me and God. And I can't properly engage my spirituality if I have that, if I have that inside me. If it exists inside me, that resentment, resentment exists inside me towards my brother or my sister. Like I said, this is especially true and more so when it is someone from the same congregation or someone very close. Now, if we try to correct the situation, but the other person is unwilling to, well, that's different. And I can't do much with that except pray for them. But I need to ask myself, have I done my best to restore and reconcile? And you know what? I'll give you a little tip of advice is if you think you've done your best, ask a close friend or involve a brother or a sister and ask them and tell them what you've done to reconcile and they might tell you, it sounds like you're just trying to push that aside. Because a lot of time that's what we're trying to do. We just say, well, I've done my part and that's the end of it. I've done my part, I tried to reconcile, I tried to fix it up, I made the phone call, I invited them, I wanted to have a coffee and they said no. And I've done my part. Could I try again? Did I communicate my love for them? And that it bothers me that I have this problem. And it's not God's will for us to be like this. Did I communicate my love towards them? And the importance that I feel that God... It's more part of God's will for us to feel like this. We need to see the importance that God plays on forgiveness. He wants us to do our best to resolve the negative situation so that Satan doesn't get a hold of it. And what Satan likes to do is he likes to involve other people and make it more complex and make a situation almost impossible. A little yeast can work through the whole batch of dough and ruin and, and it can ruin it and one of the problems is when two people have an issue they involve other people and they get people to go on their side and then they make the situation worse and then you have the whole you know in a church you can divide a church I've heard recently a girl tell share with us that she, um, she used to go, she came from Colombia 
and she was attending a church. She became saved in Australia and she attended a Spanish church in, in the city or close to, around Footscray, North Melbourne, I'm not sure. And she says they, they got problems in the church and they had some issues in the church and the church split up and half of them went to enjoy and the other half stayed behind. And, you know, that's the issues that I'm talking about. A lot of times they're minute and you think, well, seriously? Could something like that destroy a church? That's all that the devil needs. He needs that tiny little, little, that little bit of poison that will be enough to destroy. So the first point was to act and act on and now. Don't put it off. Second one point is I need more faith. In uh, Luke chapter 17 verses 1 to 10, there's a fair bit of reading in this one. I'll read the passage and the story. And I might stop a couple of times and says, Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. But woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a molestone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourself. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven Seven times in a day and seven times they come back to say, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostles, the disciples thought that this was a big ask. Eh? It was a big ask and this is the first time and that's why I highlighted in red. I don't think that you can see it there, but that increased our faith. That was highlighted in red. And it's the first time the apostles asked Jesus to increase their faith. He taught them many lessons. He, 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 they were together with him many times. That they saw that their faith was weak a lot of times. And this is the first time and the only time that they say increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or, or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to, you should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. We have only done our duty. And can you see here that he turns the whole picture? And he's saying it's not a matter of faith. It's not a matter of you. Do you have enough faith to be able to forgive? That you need to increase your faith. Forgiving once someone once is hard enough. And he said seven times in one day. And I'll share the next story. It's going to be an even more powerful one of what he's trying to say. Jesus is saying we should allow people to continue to take advantage of us. No. That's why he said if they repent. This indicates someone that's trying and someone who, who's just or, or someone who's playing us. They want to. They have intentions. But even then it wouldn't be easy to forgive. 
especially someone that continuously sins against us or that offends us or that hurts us. So it makes sense for disciples to respond. Jesus, if you want us to forgive like that, then please give us more faith. If you want us to forgive like that, we need more faith. And he responded and he said, as long as you have faith like a mustard seed, then you can... And then, and then he goes and gives us and he explains about being humble and appreciative, the, 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 the servant, that all you need to do is to be humble and appreciative. And that's what it takes for you to be able to forgive. It isn't about having more faith. It's about having more humility, appreciation and willingness. And see, when you see what God has done for you, and you appreciate what God has done for you, then it'll be, it's a no-brainer to forgive. So if you're having troubles forgiving someone, it's not because your level of faith is not where it should be. You can't think, well, I've only been a Christian for a number of years, so I'm struggling with that. As I become a, a, a mature Christian, I'll be able to forgive people when they continuously sin against me. And I know it's not possible to forgive people unless Jesus is inside you and he helps you. And that's why, you know, just as Ben prayed before about the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God that dwells inside you, that's what you need to be able to forgive because his Spirit is about forgiving so the question is, do we want to? Are we willing to forgive? If so, the Lord will work out with us. He'll work out a plan. And just pray about it and he'll give you opportunity. He'll give you possibilities to be able to forgive. And we continuously need to ask ourselves, when we come to worship, when we come to the table and we take communion, is, um, is there someone that I've heard? Is there someone that I can't? speak to is it someone that I hold a grudge with or that they hold a grudge against me Matthew 5 7 he says blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy blessed are the merciful are we merciful are you merciful ask yourself that question am I merciful when we go through the beauty truths we come to this one and we could easily miss it Blessed are the merciful. What if we reverse that? What if I'm not merciful? Does that mean that I won't be shown mercy? Probably reverse that. Well, you won't have to go far. In James chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, he says, Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone. Who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Paul in 2 Corinthians says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And here he's talking to Christians. So these are the things that as you become a Christian, as you become born again, it is natural for you to have the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God living inside you, to be wanting to do good acts, to be wanting to. We're not saved by works. 
I want to make that clear. I'll make that in my notes. That the last thing I'm going to say is that we're saved by grace and grace alone. And it's important for us to understand that. But when the Spirit of God lives inside you, you will have an attitude of forgiveness. Here is a story of the parable of the unmerciful servant. And this is a a real powerful one. He says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Remember the other verse said seven times a day? Up to seven times or seven times a day? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. How many times do you think that you sin a day that you offend God, that God has to forgive you for certain things that you do during the day? Would it be more than seven? I would say there is more than seven. And that's why Jesus is referring to this now. Imagine a non-saved person, not a Christian person. How many times has he sinned in a day? Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. The King James doesn't use these terms. He says 10,000 talents, right? 10,000, I think that NIV tried to emphasise how much this is. 10,000 bags of gold. That's a lot of gold, isn't it? Don't you think? So here's the king comes up to him. And before we go further, you know, the internet I mentioned before, you Google things up and how much was this? So there was a calculation done on the talents and, and, and how much that was. And, um, and, then, and then he talks about the, not the talent, but the, uh, the denarii, or he says a silver coin in this verse, but I'll stop here and we'll continue. But just to give you an idea of how much this was. So... 100 denarii is the person that offended him. And one denarii was a day's wage. So when they multiplied that and they calculated how much that was, a denarii is three... So 100 denarii was three months' wages, which was like $35,000 in Australia. But the 10,000 talents is like $20 billion. 10,000 bags of gold. You cannot even comprehend it. So it was like the wages for 200,000 years. That's how long the wages were to come up with those 10,000 bags of gold. And that's probably if you saved it all, which probably you wouldn't save it because as you get it, you spend it, right? So here is just to try to give you the, what Jesus is trying to say is, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is what God is forgiving you. 10,000 bags of gold, that is you and I, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, all he had and all that he had, be sold and repaid the debt. At this, the servant fell to his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. I can't see how he would have. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. So 10,000 bags of gold and 100 silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. 
His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told the master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he showed he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father, listen to this, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from the heart. Pretty harsh, hey? You think forgiveness is serious? It's pretty serious according to this story. So Peter comes and asks Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother if he sins against me seven times? And Jesus shows him this whole new picture. This picture saying, are you kidding me? This is what you have done. This is what you've been forgiven. It's like a king forgives you for 10,000 bags of gold that you owe. That's how heavy your sins were. That's how much God has forgiven you. And now you're worried about a, a brother or a sister in church that said that you, you, you shouldn't be dressing like this. Or that your kids are, shouldn't go to these places or whatever be the case. And that builds inside us and it builds and it builds. You know, we've been through some dark times in our church. And I'm glad that we, 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 we have that behind us. But this is a reminder of us to take this so serious that we never go back to those places. And so many times I will lead issues that, you know, now we look back and we can almost laugh about them and say, are you kidding me? But this is how serious. And Jesus tells Peter, and he says, have a look at this. This is what you, I want you to see. I want you to understand how much you've been forgiven. And have mercy as I've shown you mercy. This is serious. This servant was forgiven a debt that he could never repay. Just like you and me, we could never repay the debt that we've accumulated, that we've committed. When he failed to act accordingly and forgive. And to show the same mercy that he was shown when he received forgiveness that forgiveness was retracted and his debt was put back on him just because we've been forgiven it doesn't mean that we are automatically good to go and we're good for life we need to show mercy to others to those around us We have a duty to live and to appreciate, to have a life of appreciation, of gratitude for what we've, been, what we've received. And if we choose not to honour that incredible gift that we've been given, then you, we are in a dangerous position. And we just allow Satan to start working on that dough. I don't know about you, whether you feel that you've been forgiven much, but I definitely feel that I've been forgiven much. 
We can live in the bondage of bitterness or in the freedom of forgiveness. Don't be like the unmerciful servant and suffer the consequences of unforgiveness. Being forgiving brings forgiveness. When Jesus, um, disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, we know it as a Lord's Prayer. And we've, I'm sure you've prayed it many a times. There's one part there that says, And forgive us our debts or transgressions or sins, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors in Matthew chapter 6. You can find that. Even though we probably prayed it countless times, we might not have realised that it is a past tense wording. Did you pick that up when I said it? As we have forgiven. As we have forgiven. So forgive us our debts, Lord, as we've forgiven, not as we're going to forgive, as we've forgiven those who sin against us. This doesn't mean that we have to forgive everyone before we come to Christ because it's going to be tough. But you need, like I said, the Spirit of God inside you to be able to be able to forgive a lot of the things that people have done to you. And when we can't, in, it, it, it is so important that Jesus, this is only the, only the only thing that he re-mentioned and he went back to when he, the only phrase in the Lord's Prayer or the only principle that Jesus follows up on is the one on forgiveness. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But he doesn't stop there. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your, heaven, your Father will not forgive your sins. We want God to give. We want God to forgive. But then, in the other hand, we, you know, and, and Jesus made it quite clear. He's saying, you forgive, you will be forgiven. You don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. I'm not saying it. See, the, when we come to God, when we come to God and when we come to Him in prayer and we're asking God and we have this connection between God and us, we have this appreciation of what God has done for us. We have this appreciation and this connection be, be, between us and God and saying, God, you're such a merciful God. You've done so much for me. You've forgiven me so much. You love me so much. But in my heart, I can hold something against someone that is so insignificant. That's what he's saying. You can't. It's going to have an impact on you. It's going to have an effect on you. You've got to get rid of that to be able to have that relationship with me, with my Father. In Mark 11, 25, he says, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. You know, the verse before that, he says that if, if you feel that someone has a grudge against you, in the first passage that we read, he says, if someone has a grudge against you, say, it's not only if I have a grudge against somebody, and I'll use Mary as an example if I can. So Mary, if, you, if I know you're holding a grudge against me, I don't hold anything against Mary. 
I think she's wonderful. But I know that she's holding something against me. It's saying that I need to come up to her and leave my, my gift at the altar, go to her, reconcile, and then come back and offer it to God. That changes things around a bit, doesn't it? What an amazing God we have. So it's obviously very, very important. And it tells us that unforgiveness gets in the way of our prayer life and hinders and likely hinders God from answering our prayers favourably. principle being forgiven if we unwillingly forgive others we risk not receiving forgiveness from God that's what he says and he does reflect and he does hinder our relationship with God but he also hinders our forgiveness from God Like I said, then God, in that verse, is quite clear. Everyone needs forgiveness. And we have the Spirit of Christ living in us. We are saved by grace and grace alone. However, we need to live as if we have the Spirit, which we do have. So you have the Spirit of Christ living in you. And you never should forget that. And what did Christ do? He forgave. And he forgave you. He forgives you and forgives me. Not for one sin, not for 10,000 bags of gold. Remember that. If nothing else, you remember from this sermon. That's how much he forgave you. And he's only asking you to forgive 100 silver coins in comparison. That means that that's how huge our load, our weight of our sin was to Jesus when he carried him and died on the cross. We continuously, continuously, do things that are not according to his will. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that you put things into perspective so many times, Lord. We thank you that sometimes we, we take one direction and we think that this is the answer. And just like Peter thought that the answer was to... And and he thought to ask you, how many times should he forgive someone? Seven times? He said, no, not even 70 times, seven. A lot more than that. As many times as a person comes to you and asks you to forgive him. Lord, we recognize that you have forgiven us so much. We're humbled that you still want us to be called children, sons and daughters of the living God. Know that you want us to be your servants, but you want us to be heirs. You want us to be sons and daughters. What a great honour and what a great privilege that is, Lord. And we appreciate that and we can see all that you've done for us. And we pray, Lord, that the enemy may never be able to come between us, brothers and sisters, that your spirit may continuously warn us and that your spirit may continuously point out to us places that we need to forgive others and forgive people because we've been forgiven so much. 
Thank you for the amazing mercy that you've shown towards us. Thank you for the gift of grace. Thank you for the unmeasurable gift of grace. Measurable gift of your son that came and died for us. We thank you, Jesus, and we love you, and we pray that you be with us as we part. In your name we pray. Amen.